Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes, bringing you a special episode with the help of some well-known Newcastle United fans who have kindly offered their time to help with our end-of-season survey, the big Newcastle United forum. It will close later this month, and so far more than 8,000 of you have taken part, so thank you to everyone who has done. Um, and it's all about how you're feeling about the club, how you felt about last season, what you'd like to see this summer and beyond. Uh, and a big special thanks to our guests tonight, Kendall Rohn, Adam Pearson, Pete Deary from Loaded Mag NUFC, and Sam Mulliner from Newcastle Fans TV. Thank you guys for popping on. Are we all well? I've asked you all one question at the same time, just not in agreement that you're all well. I trust you are. That's what we like. Um, we're going to come to you guys across on our YouTube channel and our podcast channel. I know though we're not live, we will be reading every comment from you guys, so please do get in touch. And uh, if you are on the podcast channel, thank you, as always, for tuning in. So let's get started. I'm going to come to you first, Kendall, and then we'll go around. Um, can you sum up the season very briefly? Uh, how were you feeling? How were you expecting? And just, I mean, Newcastle, top four in a cup final. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting that. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I think I've probably run out of superlatives at this point to, to express the season, positive ones. Um, unexpected, unbelievable. But I think the one that sticks out for me the most is enjoyable. Like This is probably the first season that I've thoroughly enjoyed from start to finish, maybe in a sadistic sort of way um, for the cup finals and the push for Champions League. But I've genuinely thoroughly enjoyed every minute and it's been, yeah, really, really good, really positive season and just, uh, you know, for what the future is going to hold, it's just been yeah, really, really good and really positive for once. For you, Pete, um, are you are you still pinching yourself for the fact Newcastle got Champions League football? Yeah, a little bit. I, I can't lie. Um, I had us down finishing anywhere between tenth and eighth at the beginning of the season. So, for us to do what we did this season with the squad that we've got um, and the way in which we did it with the beatings that we gave some teams this season, it was a, it was. It was one of the most enjoyable seasons I've had watching watching Newcastle in the last 30 years. So, yeah, uh, outstanding. I'm going to come to you next, Sam, and I'm going to get in before you remind everyone that I predicted Newcastle to finish anywhere between 11th and 13th and said that would have been progress. I'm well aware that's what I said. So before you say that, yes, OK. How was the season for you? I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, it's been good. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So many moments this year of were you there? Were you there when we did this? Were you there when on this away day? Were you there? It's just been so much fun and just such a welcome change of pace from going to St. James's just out of duty. And it's it's just been, like as I say, so much fun. And long may it continue, you know. This is only the beginning, first full season post-takeover and look what we've achieved already. Um, we've got so much more to look forward to, and not to mention a little Champions League campaign next season. So it's been it's been great fun. It certainly has. And for you, Adam, how would you sum up the season just gone? Well, it's been incredible, just like everyone else has said. I think the thing for me as well was last summer going, well, looking at this point now, going into next season, I was thinking at the time, well, you know what, Newcastle, a country state, it had a great second half of the season once Eddie Howes came in. Uh, I think everyone was ambitious, but I don't think there was any real expectation for Newcastle to push on uh, for top six, never mind top four in the first season since 
a takeover. So I think for me, um, I had us around mid-table again. And the fact that Newcastle were doing so well at the start, I think about even about 10, 12 games into the season or so, I kind of looked at it, you know what, I think we can do something here. And we kept pushing on, pushing on, pushing on. We got to a cup final and we got top four. Uh, it's just incredible. I still can't quite believe it. I think once uh, I see the Champions League group stage all of a sudden pop up, um, I think I might start believing a little bit more then. But it's been incredible. It's been so good. And I think we've got real ambition now going to next season. Yeah, I don't think we could have summed it up any better. But I mean, the, the feeling of surprise and again, like just having to pinch yourself at how far Newcastle have come in such a short space of time is something that I think we're all feeling, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, the guys have summed it up perfectly. You, at the start of the season, said, you know, any anything from a mid-table finish upwards was progress. And I don't think anybody expected such a rapid um, rise, especially the ownership. I think their, their motto was slow and steady. And now all of a sudden they've had to maybe fast forward some of their plans. But yeah, certainly a, certainly a very good start to what is a, a brand new era. Yeah, most certainly. Now, there are 16 questions on this survey. We're not going to ask the guys to answer all of them. We're just going to get them to answer the kind of the key questions. I'll put the link to the survey into the podcast description and the YouTube description. So if you guys are watching and listening, please do take part. It will close, I think, on Friday. Um, and it just gives us a good chance to really uh, get a collective feeling to, towards the club. Um, we're going to start with what I think everyone will want to talk about, although some might be sick of talking about it already, and that is transfers. And I'm going to come to you, uh, Kendall, on this one. How much do Newcastle United need to spend this summer, and which position do you need to be think needs to be strengthened as a priority? Um, I think there's a couple of positions that we need uh, to strengthen, to be honest, and that's not because... I think the players aren't good enough. It's not because I don't think that team could take us into next season because I do. It's just we've got so much pressure on us next season, obviously with the extra games that we wouldn't have necessarily had uh, this season with Champions League and things like that. And they're very high intensity games. You are playing the best opposition in Europe. Um, so there is going to be a lot of different kind of level of games next season because the Premier League is intense. It is physical. It is a fast paced league. But the Champions League, you've got to have so many kind of different tactics and different systems going across all of those games so yeah I think there'll be a couple of um, ones that I think we need to strengthen in um, I think obviously we are really in need of, of a left back really a traditional left back let it put it like that because Dan Burns done a fantastic job this season and I really like Matt Target um, but I think we probably just need a one that can just slot into that position immediately who is comfortable there who is um of really really good quality so obviously the links have been there with the likes of Tierney and stuff but I haven't seen anything further for a fullback as of yet um I think another midfielder would be amazing attacker midfielder if possible obviously the likes of being linked to Madison and Saboslai who can kind of play a couple of positions um winger as well and probably another centre-back just to kind of because Kevin Clark's obviously on the way out so yeah just another centre-back who can again slot into games where we might need a rest in between Champions League games of you know Sven Botman's age and quality so that would be probably the four positions that I would say but again across the team we needed just a little bit more depth just to cope with like injuries and the physicality and just the pressure of the amount of games that we'll have next season uh, I guess Peter some of the, the names that Kendall's mentioned there that leads into the, the budget question because everyone wants to know how much Newcastle United have got to spend you've got financial fair play and fair play playing away in the background as well um, I mean, if you just take two of those names, at least if you just take Madison, for example, I mean, he's going to probably cost you somewhere between 45 and 50 million. So we're already 
looking at potentially a quarter of the budget, perhaps. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle the balance. Definitely. Um, I have to say, uh, the one thing that the owners have maintained throughout is that they, they are very fluid. Um, and if they see a deal, they'll, they'll get it done. So I, I'm being perfectly honest with you. I don't really keep too much to tight budgets and, and, and like specific numbers. Um, I think if Newcastle see a player it's the right deal at the right time, they'll do it. I think Alexander Izak was the perfect example of that last summer. So, I mean, if you're asking me what I think Newcastle will spend this summer, um, I think it would probably be more towards the 150 mark, um, 100, 150, 170. That, that's my opinion. Um, and that's not even including January, which I think they'll go again as well. Um, so that's my opinion with regards to that. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm asked on a player, look, I'm a huge Madison fan. I am uh, being based in Leicester anyway. Um, talking about Madison, they love him down there, down here. They absolutely do, uh, and he is a terrific player that would massively improve us. Um, some people say is forty five million too much. Not for me, because if he had two or three years left on his contract, he'd be worth a hell of a lot more. And that's how important he could be as a signing. So he'd definitely be one that I'd get in. Uh, but like Kendall said, there's a number of other positions. That, that have been mentioned that are that, that need to be up, upgraded. Um, and I think it's all part of the evolution um, of the club. Not because, like Kendall said, they're bad players. It's just that we always need to improve. We always need to keep moving forward. And, you know, unfortunately, some players are getting older and, and, and need to be transitioned out of the team. So I fully expect that to happen. It's interesting, isn't it? Because James Madison is the top target, but maybe his position isn't necessarily... The priority, you know, Kendall and Peter both mentioned their thoughts on that. I mean, for me, I think a defensive midfielder is absolutely key. Yeah, Adam, what about you? Which position do you think Newcastle need to strengthen as a priority? Well, I do think a defensive midfielder is definitely one. I think midfield options was something that the last few games of the season, Kenny did pop up quite a bit because, well, Newcastle had sort John Joe Shelby on deadline day and we didn't replace him. And towards the last couple of games or so, Joe would have got injured, then Joe Layton got injured, and all of a sudden out of nowhere you're losing all these midfielders. So I think if Newcastle was to have an off three or four games towards the end of the season, I think we could have been in massive trouble. But thankfully, I think we did dodge a little bit of the budget there and we've gotten injuries. But I think we definitely do need a midfield that's one. I think there's a bit of a goalkeeper crisis as well, I would argue, because, well, Martin de Braga, I personally think, will leave Newcastle. Kyrus has been offered a new contract, but he hasn't accepted it, and we don't know what's going to happen with him. So I think it's a case that Newcastle does need to invest in quite a few different areas of the pitch. And just what I like to Kendall and Peter already said, left back, I think it's definitely one out wide players, I think is one. I think strikers also one that people haven't talked about too much because, well, all it takes is the likes of Callum Wilson, who I would class as an injury prone player. Let's say he picks up an injury at the start of the season, you've got his sack playing 40 plus games by himself for the rest of the year. So I do think there's a lot of players we have to invest in. Probably about six players, I honestly think we need. I think we need a lot of players around the park, just for the case of squad. The last thing we need is to pick up some bad injuries and all of a sudden our season could completely be thrown out the window in a matter of games. Yeah, I do agree with you on, on the strike. And I'll pick that up in a moment, but Peter's going to have to get off in a second for his own show on Loaded Mag and UFC. So I'll just ask you um, a question I'm going to ask Sam later in the show. If you could pick one uh, opposition to play in the Champions League, guaranteed home and away, who are you going for? Um, for me, it has to be PSG. Um, I, I think, I think it's going to raise so many talking points with PSG with the Qatar 
Saudi uh, up against each other in the Champions League. It'll be the the most talked about moment in the Champions League, certainly in the group stages if we got them. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do think you know Kylian Mbappe coming to St James's Park potentially would be a, a, an amazing. Uh, occasion for, for Newcastle fans to see a player of his calibre come to St James's Park, but equally to test ourselves against some of the best in Europe, um, former finalists, winners of La Liga on a, uh, I'm sorry, a Liga uh, on a regular basis. Uh, it, it, it's it's what it's what as Newcastle United fans have wanted. So for me, that they're the team that I'd go for. I can't wait to see Paul Dummett just snap and back in two with a gorgeous <laughs> slide tackle. That'd be quite a sight, wouldn't it? Um, Thank you very much, Pete, for sparing your time. I hope the show goes well on your channel. Uh, Kenzel mentions um, a left-back, and off-camera, Sam, before we started, you were talking to Aaron about his story today on, on, on Chronicle Live, so I'll let Aaron take away uh, the mic there. Yeah, so obviously today on Chronicle Live, we've we've had a story that Newcastle are still interested in Anthony Robertson from, from Fulham, the, the 25-year-old. Kendall's obviously mentioned, Sam, that a left-back was is one of her priorities. Do you think that's a position they need to be going for, even though Dan Burns had a very good season, or would you like to see the money spent elsewhere? Well, I think the bulk of the money will be spent in midfield, and but I actually think left-back is probably going to be your hardest position to recruit this summer. Um, one of the main reasons that I said this time last year I wouldn't have signed Target on a permanent, because here we are a year later looking for another left-back because Burns done a great job there, but he's not a natural left-back, as we know. You think of the real class left-backs around Europe, they're all pretty settled in their club, and, and some are unrealistic. So you've got to look elsewhere, unless Dan Ashworth has a has a gem of a unearthed talent somewhere in the far realms of the world, some, then that would be lovely, but... Anthony Robinson's not, Robinson's not a bad option. I don't think it'd excite many. Um, but I, again, I, I think left-back's a really, really tricky area to recruit this summer. And obviously we've spoken a lot about where needs to be strengthened and you know how much needs to be spent. One of the other questions on the survey is who would people's ideal transfer target be? Now, on the survey, we, we've given fans five options. We've given them Declan Rice, James Madison, Moussa Diaby, Dominic Sobersly and Harvey Barnes, all of which would probably take up quite a chunky bit of the budget. We'll start with you, Kendall. Out of those five names listed, who would you like to see most come to Newcastle this summer? Uh, not that I think it's going to be the most realistic because I doubt if with Declan Rice is 100% he's my number one. I would absolutely, I would literally kill for Declan Rice to be at this club. I said, I, I went off to every home game this season. I've been going to home games since 2006 and he's one of the only players for that doesn't play for a big six side that I have seen dictate the tempo in most games that he plays. Like he just controls everything. Every ball goes through him. He's just, honestly, he's a class above. And I, I, when everyone was saying, oh, I, I wouldn't pay 80 million for Declan Rice, I would. Like, I honestly think he's genuinely that good. Um, So, yeah, but obviously it looks like he's pretty heavily nailed on going Arsenal at this stage. But, yeah, Declan Rice, out of those, would be my... Um, picks again. He can play like an eight. He can play as a six, which he has done in the past. So yeah, he's. Uh, I'll just. I rate Declan Rice very highly. I will say we did put these questions together about two or three weeks ago, long before the 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 Rice to Arsenal <laughs> links came about. Maybe we we should have taken them out for this for this thing. But in terms of the other four players on the list, Adam, uh, James Madison, Musa Diaby, Dominic Sobersly, Harvey Barnes. Out of those four, which one would take your fancy? 
Well, I know Madison, Harvey Bonds, also two that's going to pop up. I would take both them at Newcastle. I think despite the fact they've been playing at a poor Leicester side last season, I still think they've done a great job. Dominic Tavoska is one I quite like as well, actually. Someone that's been popping up now and again. Someone that I think Newcastle definitely need. I think the out-wide options, especially uh, this season, we just had not really had the dedicated goals. Because I know Alan Warren scored 12 goals, but even then he was injured for a period and he came back, he wasn't scoring as much as... Someone that I'm, I'm still not overly keen on, to be brutally honest. And as for the RY players, St. Max, and of course, he's uh, we're not too certain what's going to happen to him just yet. Anthony Gordon hasn't really kicked on. Murphy's had a great season, but again, probably isn't scoring as many as he potentially would have won from a player. But uh, honestly, I think outweighs played the players that I would want to see the most in. And of course, he picked Harvey Barnes and Tavoskai on there. So I would have to go with Dominic Tavoskai out of the two. I had to pick one. But again, no, I'm expecting Newcastle to bring somebody good in and uh, hopefully it'll be someone like him. I know you mentioned Diaby as well, but that one's been a bit quiet. I haven't heard too much about him, to be honest. And Sam, you obviously wanted Alexander Izak at the club long before they signed him. You've let us all know every time you've came on this podcast. If Newcastle were going to go and break their record again, who would you want to see come in? Oh, to break the record again. I don't think that'll happen for me. Um, I don't think Diaby or Rice will happen for budgetary reasons. Um, Sabaz lay out of them. Madison, I can take or leave. He doesn't do a vast. He doesn't do a great deal for me. He's fine. I'd be, I'd be happy if we signed him. If we didn't sign him, I wouldn't be bothered. Um, same with Harvey Barnes. Um, Sabaz lay out of them would excite me the most. I, th- I think we'll be. Spending the, the biggest chunk of the money in midfield, as I say, and we'll be getting two. So, Sabozlai and Sandro Tonali of AC Milan would be my two this summer. What about Tyler Adams? Would anyone take Tyler Adams? Look at that blank face. Doesn't move me. You Doesn't just move me one after bit. We had a te- me, and, me and Andrew had a text argument about this the other week. I don't want him at all. It does nothing for me either, Kendall. Just the quiet work, just the dirty work that doesn't get noticed. You know, sit in that little in, in the hole and just allow Bruno and, and the others to kind of flourish. Nope, not selling it. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are there any other names that we haven't spoken about, Adam, um, that you would like to see come in realistic targets that aren't on that list that we've just mentioned or aren't Tyler Adams? Ooh, um, to my head, I don't think there was, to be honest, because I haven't really been thinking about it so much. Uh, I think out of the relegated players, again, I think Madison and Barnes probably all the two are going to mention the most. Uh, there's not really any particular names. Obviously, Borella is the one that's popped up last week. That was really exciting me, to be honest. Uh, but that one's all of a sudden kind of fizzled out a bit. But I think that one, once I first originally saw the news about that one, that one made me really good. Um, I was very excited about that one, so... Uh, a player of his calibre would be amazing. Uh, I don't know if it's probably realistic at the minute to get some of these players. And I think it probably is somewhat for depending on who you're getting. But ultimately, it's probably a case where Newcastle still need to be a little bit grounded going to this season and we'll try again next summer. But uh, Brella was probably the one, uh, to be honest, that I was most excited about. I guess, Kendall, even if you know Newcastle don't sign Brella, the fact that there is genuine interest in that player and it looked like they've at least picked up the phone to, to inquire. Newcastle United of being ambitious and they're forward-thinking and they've, they've got plans. We're not in the scenario where we were under Mike Ashley, where they were getting the helicopter out on deadline day and trying to sign Fulham's second-best uh, striker for God knows how much money. You know, There is a plan and they are putting it into to place. And if they don't get people off the A-list, it'll be B or C, but they'll still be quality players. And that, that must be exciting as a fan. 
Yeah, 100%. Like two years ago, we were literally, uh, most fans were hung up over the fact that we couldn't pay a loan fee for Hamza Chowdhury. Like, where even is he now? Do you know what I mean? Um, so you've just got to look at where you've, where you've how far you've come. And like, that's just Hamza Chowdhury, two years eight, you've got Barella. Do you know what I mean? Like, no disrespect to Hamza Chowdhury. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Um, but yeah, in terms of playing wise, he's just not on the, quite on the level of Barella. Um, so yeah, it's just, we're acting like, we're acting like a big club. And that is just all that I wanted because a lot of people will look down on us and obviously we haven't had any kind of trophy, major trophy success because obviously we have had trophies. We've had like two championships, you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> if you want to call it that, in, in a total cup. Um, but yeah, people can't look down on us and obviously everyone's saying, oh, the, the calibre of Champions League gone proper downhill this year because of Newcastle being in it. And like, I just think it's rude. So the fact that we are acting like a big club and we are approaching these... Um, this calibre of players who are some of the best in the world then uh, we've even got some of the best in the world in the, currently in our squad right now so yeah to do that from the off I think is incredible my heads fell off basically at some of the pay- players that we've been linked to because I just would never have imagined it but we, I've got to start acting like not having imposter syndrome now because we are there we are a big club we are going to be successful hopefully in the future so um, yeah it's nice to be linked with sort of players like that and I guess the other thing, Sam, that rolls into into that is the fact that there's trust between the fan base and the ownership that the fans fully believe in what the owners are doing. And if you look at the trans windows gone by, you know they've proven that they, for the majority of signings and maybe all of the signings of sign players have signed so far, they do get it right, and that that will give fans even more confidence that this summer will end positively with with players coming across the line that can improve the squad. Yeah, there's no, as Kendall said, there's no frustration anymore within the fan base that we can't pay loan fees or, you know, although we've we've missed out on Hustle, we can't bring him back now. He's gone to Real Madrid, we've lost out there. That's a shame. Um, but yeah, there is a trust there. We've got people within the football club, running the football club, football people that know what they're doing. Dan Ashworth has um, an encyclopedia of of um, scouting knowledge from not just Europe, from around the world. So there is there is a lot of trust there, and we've seen that with the players they've brought in. Bruno, Botman, just Isaac. Wow, what a spine of the team that could be for the next ten years. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that's it. You know, the players have got in are relatively young as well, so they can only get better. We're going to go on to the next question now. Yeah, so just moving away from from transfers slightly, we've also asked fans uh, to give us their thoughts on what the owner's priority should be away from the field. So we know that they've strengthened on the pitch, but they're also making a lot of moves off it. So the options that we've got for fans is, should the owners be prioritising expanding St James's Park, cleaning up St James's Park, uh, building a brand new training ground, Strengthening the women's team or strengthening the academy, Adam. Out of those options, what do you think the priority should be for Stavely, Murdard, and Ruben? Well, I think the most important one, short term for Newcastle, would be the expansion James's Park. Now we all know that's going to take quite a while uh, due to the fact that we still have to get the permits, so we don't know exactly what part of Gallagher will expand. I mean, long term, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare, but. That's definitely the big one because you've seen the demand for tickets at the minute. Everyone wants to go to the games and when Newcastle can't allow people to go to the matches due to how many seed tickets have been so It's just a case where the club is missing out on match day revenue. Now, as for the other aspects, uh, for example, the likes of the women's and academy, I mean, that will be getting advanced at the minute. I know when Newcastle is the women's team out of the 26 players we had last season, 10 of them will win. So, it'll be a case now of be signing loads of players from the Championship of League of Bubbles that are coming and 
hopefully get us promoted straight away. So those two will be happening behind the scenes. But as for the old ones, I think the training ground, I mean, we've already improved our current training ground. A bit. I know it's a bit of a dump, to be honest, but at least we've improved it a bit. I think uh, that probably won't be something that I think would honestly take place just still in our six, seven, eight years. I think it's a case where that one is going to be long in the distance. But I think for now, uh, your St. James's Park stuff, clean the ground and actually trying to expand the ground, I think should be the major priority within the castle. I guess the refreshing thing again, Kendall, from that, a little bit like to the, the answer to the last question in many ways, is that out of all them options, stadium expansion aside, although they, they are talking to architects and what have you, and they're, they're doing everything in that list to a certain degree, which is, again, really refreshing because they've come in and they've seen the issues with the stadium, whether it is a lick of paint or, as we say, trying to add more seats. They've come in, they've improved the training ground, they've invested in the women's side, invested in the academy. Like, it, we're sitting here saying, what is the priority? But it's refreshing to be sitting here saying, well, actually, they've done little bits in every single category. Yeah, the fact is we don't have to pick and choose anymore. Like, before it was like, you get a new player or you get some better paddling pools at the training ground, know what I mean? <laughs> now it's like, oh, we've actually got hydrotherapy pools or we've actually got stuff going on at the training ground that's like, that we should have at this stage as a Premier League club, that we should have had a long time ago. Um, and the fact that they are doing bits at a time and they're not, they're like, it's almost tempering expectations as well, similarly to how they do with the transfers. You know, they don't come out and say, right, we're going to have a massive summer because they don't want to do that. They just want to build gradually. And we have done that. We've we've spent very smartly across the board on infrastructure and on um, the, the team. So, yeah, I think obviously Academy, especially if we're going to if we're going to have European competition, hopefully for, you know, a consistent number of years now homegrown and club trained players is a massive thing um, I think in the Champions League you've got to have like eight or so of like homegrown and, and club trained so um, it's going to have to be we're going to have to take time and focus on that because we can't keep obviously not having players come through we've only had a handful of players come through the academy in the latter years so like Sean Longstaff and obviously Matty Longstaff who sadly is going to be leaving us anyway uh, Elliot Anderson and um, players like that Lewis Miley's obviously coming through now so yeah we, we, we aren't as again as advanced as other teams around us like look at Man City for example I know they'll ha have had obviously a lot of investment but the, their academy players like Lavia for example this season who was in their academy it wasn't Man City at Southampton now he's going to go for about 40 million this summer and he's still what 19 so we've got we've just got to like kind of get up to the pace of stuff like that at the minute um but yeah I think they're going to have a lot to do but it'd be nice to see some there's some changes coming to St James's Park anyway in the new season with the digital ticketing and things like that so it'll be really nice to see if they've changed anything on the concourses and in the stadium up till then but it's nice to actually not have to pick and choose what to spend money on we can actually do it all which is really really nice to see to be fair and sam yourself and adam have, have obviously spent a lot of time this season just gone following the women's team you've seen how much amanda stavely and murdar have really put a lot of time and effort as well as finances into it how good has that been to have seen and whereabouts does that rank on your sort of list of priorities to make sure that it's not just a flash in the pan. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it will be a flash in the pan because they're not here to muck around anymore. The women's team being incorporated back into the club as opposed to the foundation was huge. Um, you know, proper contracts being hang, handed out as well. As Adam touched upon, there's there been a, a lot of departures this summer from the women's team. Some big players um, leaving as well, like Beth Guy and Freya Bales who have been really important players for, uh, last season for the women. Um, so that's that's 
it's going to be a really interesting transfer window for them too before the new season starts. Um, but like most of the things on that list are, are being done, aren't they? Um, it's great. I mean, the only time Twitter has broken because of window cleaning was because of St. James's Park. So they do need to sort out an expansion because we could obviously fill 70,000 without even trying, especially on Champions League nights this season. Um, but everything else is being done. Look at the the academy improvements. Look at the people, just the staff we've hired already in the academy. Um, yeah, massive. And the training ground doesn't look a dump anymore. <laughs> it was a it was a barn conversion. It hadn't been properly done up since you know the days of Sababi, and now all of a sudden it looks professional. So um, yeah, the only thing publicly that we're that we're not aware of something really doing is expanding the stadium but I'm sure they're having discussions in the background yeah I think Adam touched on it kind of the the complications with doing that but you mentioned there you know Sir Bobby Robson and the, the training ground it, it, it I suppose for fans it's really nice Adam to see owners taking pride in in the stadium and in the training ground I'm sure everyone will remember that the vigil that goes around of Sir Bobby Robson with Gary Lineker when he's he's just talking about the doors and how good the doors are and in a way, that's what Newcastle United have got back. That you know, all the small elements are covered, and you have people in place who just want to make sure every single part of this club can be the very best that it deserves to be. Well, I think it's just a sense of pride of anything for Newcastle fans over the last fifteen years or so. You just watch crap on the pitch, everything behind the scenes. It's not true equally. Newcastle are just miles behind on everything. You just think, oh, what's going on here? It's been one of them ones where. I think Mike Ashley's missed out on loads at Newcastle. I mean, he has an absolute gold mine in his hands. He doesn't take any time with it whatsoever. And I think now, even though, yes, he's he got 300 million for the club, he probably will be kicking himself a bit because he's had all that opportunity there, but he hasn't taken out. Oh, he's squandered at Newcastle now. We're probably on a, a place where we should have been all these years ago, but it's been a it's been an incredible time. I just think for everything at the football club's going well. I mean, I've heard absolute horror stories about the women's team, for example, just how bad things have actually been on the Mike Ashley days. And I think just... Uh, just reflecting on it now and just seeing how well things have been since the Sega, where it's incredible. Here's a sense of pride, it's just enjoyment. Everything going at the football club, even like minuscule things. Um, obviously, I don't think there'd be many fan uh, fan bases out there be banging about the new kit. But everyone's been enjoying that. Everyone's been enjoying the Champions budgets on it. It's just been mental, and I think uh, the fans have just been so used to just watching and seeing crap that there's anything that pops out now that is anything good. It's just someone that the Castle fans have gravitated towards. Though it's just been crazy. Yeah, I think uh, everyone who watches Adam's content will know he's been to the club shop. Was it today, Adam? And they had, what, 78 shirts left for sale? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's not many now. Um, but there was 78 when I counted them in the video. Four left, there's probably 60. So I ended up buying shirts at the end. So there's my Premier League one here. And I'm, the ones in my bag down here, the Champions League ones as far as that. I go in and get a few of them sorted. But uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, wasn't even, it wasn't that busy today, but there's it, still are a lot of people in there. And I think uh, the club... Probably has run out of shirts now. If not, it'll be tomorrow morning. And 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 just on the new shops, it's got the sponsor on there, Kendall uh, Seller. Now we did have sponsorship written down in this list. Obviously, we've scratched it off. But the fact that they're now starting to get paid in the region of what other clubs, other Premier League clubs, are are used to getting paid when it comes to sponsors is, is another big thing because the, these owners came in, and I don't think it was much as much of a surprise that they found Newcastle were totally lagging behind when it comes to commercial uh, revenue. 
yeah we were lagging behind it in just in everything commercial revenue in the kind of hierarchy and the the structure at the club infrastructure women's team like everything was just lagging lagging behind to be fair so um yeah as you say it doesn't surprise me at all that they came in that was one of the first things they identified um and I think a lot of people there's been obviously uproar about the sponsor which is just ridiculous because no one cared when we had sponsors around the ground for free for minimal cost um previously so no one was bothered about that and I think what everyone doesn't understand is we actually are still we're a lot higher than we were but we're still actually significantly lower than a lot of clubs that have been in the Champions League in recent years so um even though it is good investment for us it's still like a little way below what other people um other clubs get at, at this level so we've still got a little bit of a way to go but it's it's mega investment and it's really good and it's just you know strengthening the relationships with um kind of that region um and getting a global more global fan base and yeah it's just really really good that there's so many things that have been identified and actually being done about like there's something being done about it um and we know now that if there is a, a, ever a problem or there is something that needs to be changed at the club it will be sorted so yeah it's nice to know that really and it's very good to see that seller obviously committed to uh making a fine zone out since the gym's park i think that'll be a really really good move for them now that takes us nicely on nicely on the next question now I suspect that all three of you are going to have very similar answers here, so we can probably whiz through it. Um, now, the next question was, would you like to see Newcastle expand their ground or move to a new one entirely? Sam, we'll start with you. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, I hate new stadiums. <laughs> I, I think they're soulless and and just no character about them. Um, I would I would hate for us to move. I really would. There's there's definite scope to 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 expand St James's to seventy odd thousand, and I think that's it's going to be difficult. Um, but you know, we can afford the best architects the world has to offer. Um, so so I'm sure that where there's a will, there's a way. Um, yeah, I I don't like new grounds at all. West Ham's ground is not a football ground at all. It's an arena without a roof. Um, Tottenham's is is impressive, but does it have anything really about it? It's okay. Um, yeah, the Emirates is weird. That's just I don't know. It's just the old the the, the away days. My favourite away days this season have, have been at grounds that are like old school grounds, Forest and, and Everton. And oh, all right, we won at them, but you know they're they're proper footballing stadiums and. I don't know, just like like grounds like Southampton and Leicester, they're exactly the same, except one seat's a blue and the others are red. They're exactly the same stadium otherwise. There's just no character, whereas St James's Park is just stacks of character. Love it to bits. Don't want to move. It is, isn't it? And Adam, you know, obviously like everyone on this panel, we go up to, the, to St James's Park on match days and we've been hundreds if not thousands of times uh, throughout, our, throughout our lives. But that feeling of walking up to the ground, I don't know about you, Adam, it never gets old for me, whether it's rain or shine, doesn't matter who it's against. Even the Mike Ashley, it was still, it, there was still something about walking up to St. James's Park. Um, although under Mike Ashley, once you got into the ground, it was a different story. But there is something special about the cathedral on the hill, isn't it? Well, yeah, St. James's Park is just an incredible place to go to. It's not just the stadium itself, it's also the location of the stadium. It's in the middle of the city centre. I think that stat was about the pub rule, it was about 130 pubs or something in the one mile radius around the ground. So, obviously, it's not just huge for us, it's also huge for um, 
everyone in the local community, all the businesses. So I think moving the ground is definitely the, the wrong thing to do. Um, I agree with Sam that I think modern grounds especially just have nothing to them. There's no account. I think the atmosphere has dampened quite a bit as well. Not only that, I think the likes of Tottenham West Ham, you've seen it on the first movement, the new ground, they do underperform in the first couple of seasons or so. So I think it's a bit of a bit of an adjustment for them as well. But honestly, I just hate the new ground. I don't rate them at all. And I think Newcastle, you got this stadium here. It will be hard, to be fair, to expand the ground, but it definitely is possible. Otherwise, Newcastle wouldn't have bought the land towards the back of the gal again. It's been class, though. I think Newcastle have uh, got many more years since St James's part ago, and I don't think we'll have to worry about it as a fan base. I certainly hope so, because I completely agree with the sentiment. I mean, I've been to West Ham's ground many a times, and it just feels feels like you're at a concert rather than a yeah. football match when you're in the concourses. It just does not feel right at all. And Kendall, you obviously said before that you've been at home games since 2006. You've seen a lot of bad times and, you know, more recently some good times. I'm guessing you're in agreement as well for the boys that they should stay. Yeah, 100%. Like, we've just started to, and I know people will be like, oh, you can't live in the past, but we've just started to get that feel of our club again that we did used to have. And I don't want to use that, like, kind of iconic Cathedral on the Hill, St. James's Park, like I just don't want to lose that because it is the heart of our club and it is the heart of our city and I don't want to that to be lost because as the guys have said like new grounds are pretty soulless and there's no history behind them and um I know a lot of West Ham fans really miss Upton Park and I know a lot of Tottenham fans always mention White Hart Lane and I think it, the the same will happen with Everton when they obviously inevitably don't play in, in Goodison anymore they'll they'll miss it and I just think I'd rather do what Liverpool are doing. Obviously, they at the moment they've extended one of their. Um, I, th- I don't know if it's a cop, but they've extended one of their um, stands as well. And I'd just rather do that and keep our history, keep our you know identity for a little bit longer. I don't want to change the badge. I don't want to change the stadium. Whether that's old school or not, it's just it is what we are as a club, and it is our identity. And I don't. I think like building a new stadium would that would be a little bit lost, and the history would be lost. So yeah, I'm I'm 100 in agreement. I want to want to keep it for as long as we can. And Sam, I guess there's, a, there's a, a bigger picture here as well. The fact that the owners didn't just come in and go, right, we're moving. Because, you know, there's, there's definitely areas they could have picked out to build mm. a new stadium. Um, but what they did is they looked at the land, which was owned by a, another company that had been bought off uh, Mike Ashley. They looked around and they went out and paid the money and, and got the land. And that itself, I think, will still shock a few Newcastle United fans that actually, they've gone out and done that. They didn't have to do that. They, they saw the opportunity. They realised the importance of that land and what it, what it could mean for St James's Park, and acted upon it. Yeah, because these owners know what they've got. Whereas, like Adam made a great point about Mike Ashley before, people used to say, "Oh, but he's a brilliant businessman." Well, he's a terrible businessman. What, like some of the decisions he's made, just playing against what what he had, and three hundred million was cheap, very very cheap, and the stadium just looked tatty and tacky. Um, but yeah. That's all in the past now. The new owners do know what they've got. And, and just to, to just to add on to the previous point about atmosphere and stadiums and stuff, you wait till Luton away. I mean, no one will be able to get a, a ticket because we'll have an away <laughs> allocation of about 14. But that is a proper old school ground where fans are right on the pitch. And that, that'll, be, that'll probably be for the lucky 14 who get an away ticket. That'll probably be the best away day of next season. We're just on atmosphere. We'll go around. I'll start with you, Kendall. Just tell me your favourite atmosphere from the season just gone at St James's Park. Oh, that's hard. I know that was a good few. Um, obviously, the 
um, semi-final for the Carabao. That was amazing. Even the quarters was good because obviously Dan Berlin, Sean Longstaff, like Geordie Boy scoring, like that was just immense. Uh, I think Tottenham game at home was just ridiculous. It was just silly. Like it was just like we couldn't believe it in 21 minutes that like, we were 5-0 up. Like, I was just looking at my dad and I was like, and even my dad, this is how pessimistic Newcastle fans are, right? My dad was like, oh, I remember we, we played QPR away and we, we, it, we're like, it was 5-5 five, five or whatever. And I was like, dad, like, I don't need that negativity in my life right now. I just don't need that. Um, so, yeah, I think probably just for the, just how funny it actually was and just Jacob Murphy's reactions and Alexander Isaac's reactions, it has to be Tottenham. But there's been so, just some fun fantastic fantastic atmospheres i can't even to be honest there wasn't really any bad ones um uh, maybe the carabao cup final was a li- maybe a little bit flat in wembley at times but um from everyone really not just us so yeah but the rest of them was it's just been immense but tottenham probably for me just for the sheer like audacity of us to do that um and the just how unbelievable it was at the time it's interesting you mentioned there what, what your dad said about you know the fear of newcastle throwing it mm. away do you think that feeling as a fan base has gone now? As in, you know, <laughs> no. always thinking Newcastle are going to mess it up? Or is it going to take Absolutely you Absolutely not. It's definitely still there, 100%. I know it is for me anyway. Like, the only difference is now I actually go to a game and I'm like, oh, we might win today. Like, it's not like every time I go to the game, I'm like, oh, well, we're going to lose. I'm actually like thinking we might win. And even when we're 3-0 up, I'm like, oh, don't like it, we need another goal. We need the next goal here. And I'm still like that. It's just ingrained in us for so long to not, be like that team who goes and wins games. You're kind of going not to lose, but the atmosphere, the um, attitude and stuff towards it now is very different. I think it's gonna take it's gonna take a little while yet to in, in bring that um, that PTSD out of <laughs> out of our system because I've definitely still got it 100. percent Yeah, I suspect many people listening to this definitely have as well. <laughs> Adam, for you, what what was the best atmosphere to him? Well, I think the two for me, obviously, the big ones are the Southampton semi-final and the Leicester game of the quarter-five of the Champions League. I think those two, um, never in a million years, I would have thought that would have happened as a Newcastle fan, especially in the Mike Ashley days. I never thought Newcastle would play at Wembley. I think that was one big thing I always did. I actually never, ever been to Wembley before, before the cup final. I kind of waited my entire life for that to be the moment when I went there. And I think finally getting that opportunity was amazing. All things didn't go too well for us in the end, but I think the, the experience is great for the players. I think it's a good opportunity now to kind of build on it and try and go back there again next season. I think the fact is, we as Newcastle fans actually walked out of Wembley disappointed. I think speaks volumes about where we are as a football club now. Let's see we'll somehow get on the Mike Ashton road to lose two at Manchester. I think most fans would really walk away clapping the team off and going, well done, lads, we give it a good go. But now it's a case that um, we can't really build on something. It's no longer a case where we're just so so far off getting anywhere near our major honour. I think Newcastle are real close with Quite literally a few years away. I'm confident we could actually get some in the next couple of years. But but wait and see. I don't want to uh, judge that too much. But no, I think the Southampton-Leicester home games are huge for actually getting to uh, where we want to be. A cup final and Champions League qualification. Your first season since the take I mean, you can't complain about that, can you? It's been quite the ride. And for you, Sam? Um, I found Kendall's point really funny because we had it five minutes to go with the second leg against Southampton. We were all terrified and Southampton needed to score twice just to put it to extra time, but we were still absolutely <laughs> terrified. The whole stadium was. Um, so, yeah, that one, but, um, I mean, look, 
since I've had children, I'm an emotional so and so. So my favourite was was when I took my six year old lad for his first game, uh, Wolves at home this season. We were in the East Stand, and his favourite player is Miggy Armoron, who scored the winner in front of us. So uh, that that was my little personal uh, atmospheric highlight from the season. I'm going to say Brighton. I know Adam mentioned the Leicester game there, but those last couple of minutes. I mean that Nick Pope save. I don't know. There was I was a, a wee bit kind of watching with me, my hands over my eyes. But the, the, the game before that, though, the Brighton game for me, even though it was very close until right at the end, I, there was just something about it. I just felt it was the perfect tactical performance from Newcastle. And there was just a there was just a really strong atmosphere on the ground. But as you guys have all said, we, we could sit here and discuss all 19 games in, in many ways. But for you, Aaron? Um, look, I know, I know it's probably the most popular answer, but I, that sec, that semi-final second leg, I thought was just absolutely brilliant. The scenes afterwards, um, Tottenham again was just one of just pure what on earth is going on. Um, City, I mean, City seems a lifetime ago. I yeah, don't know about you guys. Mm. That, that seems... <laughs> I was yeah, good. No one mentioned it. You know, when the players are doing their like favorite goals of the season and stuff, no one mentioned. Um, Maxi against Wolves, and then no one mentioned. Yes. No one mentioned trips against Man City at home, and I was like, I'm good, but it, it was because it was so long ago. It was. So We've had that gap in the season, like it kind of got lost a bit. But yeah, I agree. Man City was great as well. Yeah, it certainly was. As you say, you could probably pick ten or ten or fifteen. Mm-hmm. That I'm sure people would argue. The over. Manchester United one, exactly. Yeah, two 0 I mean, so again, many. I'm I'm guessing a lot of people are very different answers to that one the next question um again i'm, I'm going to assume everyone's kind of in, in, in agreement with with the answer here um, i'm going to come to you adam uh, how confident are you that eddie howe was the right man to lead newcastle United to the next level well i remember when eddie howe first got linked actually i, I, I backed against him because uh, we were linked to unai Emery before he first came in i was really pushing towards him i mean that was a guy what won four Europa leagues in seven years and i'm thinking when that one kind of fizzled away and all of a sudden Eddie Howe was coming into the picture. I was quite harsh towards him, to be honest. Um, probably a guy that on paper I would have looked at being probably a short-term manager, somebody that probably would last it to around this summer and then he would have brought someone better in. But obviously, I don't think anyone's predicted how uh, how he would go at Newcastle so far. I mean, he's just been incredible. I think the just the ethic, the overall work ethic from him has just been incredible. This is a guy that comes in 12 hours every single day at the training ground. And I mean, I think the good thing for Eddie Howe as well is the fact that he has replaced the, he's the complete polar opposite to him, a guy that comes in three hours every day, he doesn't run and hold it during it nationally. I mean, this is a guy who didn't give 100% in the cast night. And I think when Eddie Howe's got the chance now to really come in and prove people wrong, and actually to have the funds for once, I think Eddie Howe as well, he's been a good manager, but he's never really had the proper budget to work with. So I think the chance that Newcastle to potentially do that was huge for him, an offer he couldn't refuse. He came in, and I mean, the, the rest is history so far. He's, he's given everything he has in his shows in the pitch because the Castle have just been, been next to next to nothing in terms of the old team. The Premier League have been so good, so consistent as well, may I also say. And I, down to Eddie Howe, he's got the best out of players that you wouldn't expect. I think the likes of Sean Longstaff, Dan Burn, of course, we just signed last year. I mean, Jacob Murphy, Jordan. Now, these are players that never in a million years you would have even questioned to be mentioned Champions League football in them. It's just due to the fact that Eddie Howe's not just got done well with the players he's saying, he's also got the best out of his previous players as well. Half of Newcastle's squad's still the team that Steve Bruce had, so it's it's not really a case that Newcastle's spent all his money and all of a sudden we're buying out the league. It's not that all Newcastle was spent well and we've also used what we had, so... Uh, I think Eddie Howe is an exceptional. Um, I think he probably is a long-term manager, unless something was to drastically change with him. But 
Uh, he's, he's, been, he's been incredible. He's got a huge opportunity to Champions League now. We've only just lost the cup final, so he's got a chance as well to be the, the man that actually breaks Newcastle's major honour record. So he's got a huge opportunity in front of him now, and I, I'm sure you can take it. Adam, I don't think you were alone in wanting Unai Emery. I remember being exactly the same when he got linked. And it did sort of feel a little bit anticlimactic when how was the man who actually ended up coming in. Kendall, as somebody who follows Spanish football yourself, did you share that feeling about Emery? And now that we've obviously had 18 months of Eddie Howe, I'm guessing you think he's the man that can take them forward long term? Yeah, I've brought my own tweets in the past off like two years ago where I was like, you know what, give me a manager. Obviously, we still had the previous manager at the time, but I was like, give me a manager. I want Howe in tomorrow. I want Howe in yesterday. Like I was proper, proper cutting for Eddie Howe. Um, and then obviously it kind of fell off a bit because he was going to go to Celtic. And then it was like, we weren't linked to them that heavily anymore. And then the Unai Emery thing came and I am such an Unai Emery fan. Even when he was at Arsenal, I backed him and I defended him quite a lot considering I'm not an Arsenal fan. It didn't matter to me, but I was defending him quite a lot because there was a lot of um, really nasty remarks made towards him and I, I think he didn't deserve that. Um, and yeah, I haven't followed Spanish football for a long time. He's he's a really, really good tactical coach. Even just look how well he's done with Aston Villa, man. Like they were 17th and like they've got European football this year. So for me, it just shows how good a manager he is similar to Eddie Howe. Um, I was really happy with the appointment, but as you say, probably a little bit anticlimactic just because of Unai Emery's experience at a higher level um, to Eddie Howe. But it wasn't because of, I think, you know, Eddie Howe's not good enough coach because I do. And as I said, I, I was very much backing him to come in the first place. So, yeah, but honestly, I don't think anyone could have imagined how well he's done. I am just in awe of him. I'm in awe of how he presents himself, how he represents the club. He's he just carries himself with so much elegance and class and knowledge. He doesn't kick off in press conferences. He doesn't have those ridiculous little like catty sound bites like you know the likes of like Klopp would have or Ten Hag would have. Like he is just such a huge custodian of our club and someone that we, we could have only dreamed of in the past. Like he just represents us fantastically, and I really do hope that he is the one to lead us to our first kind of silverware in the next few years and I do think that he could he's proved he can you know rock of the big boys now with the limited if you would experience that he had prior to this at this level so I think he absolutely deserves a chance to take us all the way and I, I really do hope that he yeah he does that I think I think you make a good point there he is such a good custodian I think if you didn't know much about Eddie Howe you would think he was a Geordie he's bought into the club mm -hmm. and the ethos of it you know you wouldn't think that he was from the south coast Kendall, you made a very, very good point there about Emery. A lot of experience at you know, a much higher level. Eddie Howe did fantastic last season, but it was his first real crack at, at you know, taking a team to the top four and into a cup final. Sam, for you, he's obviously got a lot of credit in the bank. Do you think that as Newcastle United continue to grow and grow and grow and they become, hopefully, a regular team in the Champions League, do you think the need to get a big sort of big experienced managerial name someone like Poch or Klopp or Mourinho do you think that lessens and how can become that or do you think the owners will one day think okay we need a sort of a big name here to take them to the next level uh, not in the short term no um, although my one sort of fear I suppose is that there might be a bit of uh, there might be a weight of expectation now this season for the first time in 20 odd years um, so that say if we're we've got a tough start tough start to the season, then we've got the Champions League to to manage alongside Carabao Cup. We want a good run in that again, don't we? 
So if we're sort of 10th, 11th in the Premier League come November, December, then will the pressure start to mount up on how? I hope not, um, because as you say, he's got a lot of credit in the bank and I'm, I'm fully behind him 100%, despite I was I was Unai Emery as well but, uh, when Bruce was finally sacked. Um, there's a... The, what I think I like, what I like about how the most is, because a lot of fans like, oh, we want passionate managers. Just got to show passion, passion this, passion that. I like someone more calculated, more measured, but who can show passion and uh, and that kind of energy at the right time, like how did at the end of the season when the job was done, not when you've you know drawn one one at home to West Brom because you've equalised in the last minute, hooray. That That's just a waste of time and you look a bit silly. Um, so that's what I like um, about how the most, and, and like bringing a, a name like Mourinho in, okay, it'll be romantic because of the relationship we had, he had with Sir Bobby, but his best managerial days are behind now, aren't they, really? And, and the way he, he's turning into... What a lot of these old managers do that turn very bitter, and the, his treatment of referees like Anthony Taylor not so long ago is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> so um, I hope we we have we show the faith and and keep with uh, Eddie Howe. And to be honest, whatever happens next season, if we can consolidate European football, not Champions League, just European football in general, that would be huge. Yeah, one percent. I think what I like about Eddie Howe is. He's always looking to improve. You know, it, this isn't the, the, finishing in the top four and getting to a cup final. You know, I think his mantra is, "Well, we, ha- we haven't won anything." You know, there's always a next level to go to, and that's kind of ingrained in the players as well. That you know, you're only as good as your your last victory. You're only as good as your last goal, and that also leads into who they're going to end up buying in the transfer market. That that kind of attitude has to shine through in any new arrivals, and it's it's not about him either. You know, every time he's been nominated for manager of the month and won it or nominated for manager of the season it's about it, 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 it it's it, it's we isn't it it's collective it's never all about him whereas certain managers previous Newcastle United managers um it was all about them and it's funny you should mention not getting overheated in the moment I was thinking about Alan Pardew for Crystal Palace when in the FA Cup oh, final when he did, did his little <laughs> dance get Kendall knows what I'm talking about <laughs> it comes back to bite you doesn't it and I think we saw in the moments after the Leicester game and Eddie Howe going over to the to the corner of the the Leesers in the East Stand and and um, you know really enjoying that moment of fist pumping, which is not something we'd we'd seen all season. It just that was like a, a big relief, wasn't it? Yeah, them. we we say it so so rarely, and I mean sometimes I mean Newcastle United this season have scored so many fantastic goals, and looking at Eddie Howe, you would not know it because he just remains so cool. And even after those big celebrations after Leicester and when he's fist pumping the Gallagher, he comes into the press conference with us after and he's just the coolest man there. He just does not want to give anything away. And I just think yeah, he, the pressure just doesn't get to him. Does do, you, do you know the talk about bigger names coming in? Like we've seen at other clubs, you know, like it, it was it was Mark Hughes and then who, what, I can't remember who was Mancini. after Mark Mancini and obviously the, the work they worked with Pep. I think that pressure on Eddie Howe will just work to motivate him. And I'm not saying that pressure was actually there. It's, it's there from outside <coughs> sources, isn't it? I don't think it's there from the fan base. Or the ownership, but I think it will motivate him. And I think I think it'll be here for a long time to come. Even if next season doesn't quite go to plan, I think I think there'll be yeah, I, I don't think people will be calling for him to go unless it goes really, really drastically wrong, but I can't see that happening. On uh the topic, Sam, of 
Champions League, who would your ideal opposition be if you could lock one in? We had Pizza and PSG. Who would you like? Dortmund. War flags versus yellow wall. <laughs> Kenzel, who's your pick? I think everyone probably knows mine, Atletico Madrid. That's who I want. Um, I had said for a number of years now, like, oh, well, because everyone used to ask me, oh, you know, like, you follow two clubs. I'm like, well, I don't. I support one club and I've just followed another one for a player, Fernando Torres, who I've got pictures of here. Um, so and you just kind of like, and then you start kind of falling in love with the club. And they always said, oh, what would you do if they played each other? And I was like, well, I want Newcastle to win because that's my club, but don't worry because that'll never happen. Here we are, both in the Champions League, a year, like literally a year after I've said that. So, uh, yeah, that'll be my absolute dream. I would absolutely love Simeone to come to St. James's Park. It'll be, uh, yeah, a little bit of a, of a mishmash of dreams come true for me there, I think. It'd be the class, the clash, and excuse my French, of the shithouses, wouldn't just it? A, you yeah. the words out of Family show. You've yeah, stopped no. swearing on here before. I'll put this out after the, after the watershed. I mean, Adam, you, you've you obviously been to a lot, if not all of the away games in the past season. What's the one Champions League away day you want to do in the next couple of months? Well, I think a bit of a boring comment, to be honest, but I will back Real Madrid. That's the one. Mm. Um, I want the best of the best, to be honest. Um, Nicasa, I know... Looking at us now, I'm probably come to be kind get back to the Champions League soon. But let, let's assume this is the one time we get back. I want the best of the best of the best to, to be playing us. So the likes of Real Madrid, of course, in their pot two as well, not even pot one, their pot two. Um, I think it's a crazy team to get. But I will say though, um, I kind of want new teams. I know we've, it's been 2003 last time we're in there, but I don't want the likes of it in Milan, Boston, or the teams we've already played before. I want to see fresh opposition, new grounds to go to. The likes of Ajax, I think it'd be a really good one. Oh, there's so many to pick from, but I have back Real Madrid. I would have said PSG if Messi was still there because I really want to see him play. Yeah, yeah of course. Messi and James, this would have been something else, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm backing you that Real Madrid for me would be would be the one. Yeah, the, the Bernabeu would just be the the pinnacle. I think it? just see them at St James's Park as well. Another lights would be it'd be it'd be, it'd be special. I think if, if you get a big team as well, like a really big team, it's very likely Newcastle will do. It'll be one of those moments like. The, the Spurs game, the first game after the takeover happened, you know, when you had that kind of feeling of real emotion, because again, it's another moment where you go, wow, Newcastle United have actually done this. And it has been a really emotional kind of 18 months, hasn't it? Oh, certainly. And I think, I mean, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm, I'm going to put it out there. And I went to Sam Fender gig the other week and I did nearly shed a tear when the Champions League anthem came on. So, I honestly do not know what I'm going to do in September when I'm at St James's Park and it starts playing because it's just, as you say, that Spurs game was very emotional. The first game of the takeover, and I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a cup. Not many dry eyes and N- uh, nearly shed a tear. Well, yeah, there was maybe one, one or two tears. I was going to say that's reduced from the last time we told that story. <laughs> uh, Kenzel, then we'll, we'll come with the final question, and it is a really important question because it incorporates everything we've kind of spoken about so far, and it's where do you think Newcastle United will finish next season. But I'm going to ask it in two parts, where you think they will finish and where you would like them to finish, because I think they're obviously two very different things. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to just to get a feel for what the expectations of fans are. I'm going to be honest. I If we don't finish Champions League spots next season, I'm going to be like, that doesn't bother me at all. As long as we probably finish top seven, I think the pressure is different on us this year because... 
we have got Champions League for the first time in so long. And as I said earlier, it's just, it's a lot of intense games, a lot of physical games, a lot of travelling. We've still got Premier League to play in that time, Carabao Cup, FA Cup. So there's just a lot more pressure physically on us, not expectations-wise, but physically on the team and on us um, as a club. So I think just to at least maintain European status next year would be massive um, because it would just show it would be progression. Obviously, I would love us to get Champions League again. That would be fantastic. Um, but I'm really not too bothered if we, even if we end up with Conference League, I'm still happy with that. As I say, as long as we maintain European football next year, then I am more than over the moon because to get two years of European football out of Newcastle United at this stage, considering where we've been the last 15, you know, 16 years, and it's 20 years since we got Champions League. So that would be, yeah, massive for me. So I would like to finish top four, but top seven, I am over the moon with. Is there a third element in all of this as well, Sam? The fact that, you know, where we'd like Newcastle to finish, where we think they will finish, but also the expectation of the owners. Now, we can say as, as fans, you know, if they finish, you know, seventh or eighth, it's it, we, we won't kick off at that because we've had the experience of the Champions League and we've also hopefully had another cup run. But what will the, what will the owners be thinking if Newcastle do finish outside of the Champions League next season? It depends on how much they invest during that time. Uh, this summer and, and in January as well, where we are in January when it comes to going in again in the transfer market. I, I don't think they're, they've got ideas above their station just yet, to be honest, so I don't think they'll do anything rash. Um, I, I think they're very realistic in in their ambitions because it's very much a long-term plan of which we're streaks ahead of where we should be. Um, so, again, as Kendall said, I, I would I would agree completely that top seven is is well is is hunky dory for me. That, that that's absolutely fine with the with the old asterisks of with a cup run. Um, yeah. Whether whether or not you know what happens in the Champions League, do, do we then go in the Europa after the group stage? Who knows? Or do we have another Wembley day out or whatever for the FA Cup or Carabao Cup? Um, It'd be nice to make it past the third round of the FA Cup. Um, that's been a while. But uh, yeah, top seven for me and I'll be more than happy. Yeah, I think that, that the, you know, will probably be the consensus, I think, among quite a lot of fans, as long as they can try and keep you know in and around the top six. And I think, Adam, when Newcastle had a, a small blip after the Carabao Cup and maybe the top four wasn't looking nailed on, a lot of people made quite a good argument that actually... Newcastle United playing in the Europa League or even the Europa Conference League would give them a huge chance of winning it. So it isn't all about finishing the Champions League, is it? Yeah, I do agree with that, actually. I mean, even my mindset going at the Champions League this season, I wouldn't be fussed finishing third in the group stage if we meant we were to give the Europa League a real good opportunity for it. Um, now, I know the likes of Liverpool now won't be easy, and I think especially now nowadays in the Europa League, all of a sudden you're... The likes of Barcelona, you've seen it last season, these teams are now getting in the Europa League, so I think it's a case that it will be hard. But I would actually fancy us. Um, I think my focus this season, honestly, would just be in the Cups and the Champions League just to see if we can potentially go and try and win something. Uh, I know with the extra games now and the fact that Newcastle have finished in the top four, I think expectations will be a bit high going this season, which I think would be harsh on the legs of Eddie Howe and his players because, I mean, this season, sure, the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea have a much better year, which would make getting top four again harder. And I think for Newcastle, just as long as we, even if it's just, it, top eight. I know you would miss European football at that point, but just as long as we looked like we're actually getting in there, even if it's a little bit disappointing at the end, obviously for me, I would want top seven just to get any form of European football going into next season. But 
even if it's a case where you finish just slightly low, but all of a sudden your cash have actually got to another cup final and your cash has gave the cups a good go. Uh, I would be happy with that. I think it's just uh, one of them ones now where, again, everything's happened so quickly and the cast weren't meant to be here this early, but we are now, so we've got to adapt to it. And, and I think for us, um, I mean, long term, obviously, the, the ownership will want to win silver, they will want to do all this, but it's not something that's going to happen this season. It's just something that's going to gradually happen. Even if it was a 10 to 15, it has, it'd be one of them ones where it'd be plenty of time to settle in, where we don't have to rush it at once. But for me, um, I agree with Sam Kendall. Uh, top seven would be great. And uh, for me, I think we should be having a bit of a, a focus as well in the cup competitions and see if we can actually try and win something. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people will agree with that and I think it's going to be an exciting season whatever happens just the fact that we can talk about Champions League football and start mm. planning uh, you know when for when the draw is and, and what comes after that is just it still baffles me to actually think it is a reality but um, it is thanks to Eddie Howe and the owners of Newcastle United well that is the end of the big Newcastle United form thank you very much to Adam, Sam and Kendall for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast you guys listening or watching we urge you guys to take part in the survey too as i mentioned the link to do so is in the description of the podcast or the youtube description um from myself and aaron we'll see you very soon